Yeah, well, very good morning to you. Welcome into Galway Thoughts, and we're with you right through until uh, about 25 to uh, 20 to 12. I'm joined by Councillor Martina O'Connor, and I'm joined by Councillor Declan McDonald. John Morley joins me as well. And um, uh, Councillor Martina O'Connor, good morning to you. And Declan, thank you for joining us uh, today. Martina, we're starting with the RTE situation today. Your, your Green Minister, um, Catherine Martin, has taken some. Uh, some decisions. Yes, yes, and um, she had been accused, we'll say, of sitting back on it for a little while, you know, leaving it to the committee, but uh, that has run on so long and fresh information coming left, right and centre. Every day. Every day. And, you know, in the end of the day, that's people's money that they have paid in, it's national money and uh, things have to be sorted out. The, the f- amounts of money that are be- being talked about are phenomenal. You and I left our job in the morning. Thanks very much. Any cake? We wouldn't be getting a half a million. If, if you got the cake, I'm kind of hoping for the cake. Yeah, <laughs> but it's 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 savage money, and it's public money we're it talking. Public money. It's public and commercial because they do yeah, sell advertising as well. They do sell advertising. They do, but you know you can get caught up in almost a rock star lifestyle in the in these sorts of things. And you know the public we saw it in the bank a few years back. But the public don't accept that type of behaviour anymore. You have to be accountable for all your income and the, the volumes that are being talked about here are far too much, mm. far too much. I mean, the RTE offer an excellent service, is my own opinion, an yeah. excellent service. The no quality, doubt about it. absolutely. The quality is second to none, but you have to be a bit more conscientious about where you're putting the money as well, you know, and that's a, the governance I, I think the governance aspect of it, Declan McDonald, is something, and you you know a lot about governance because you've been involved in business and and elsewhere in the European Union. But I, I think I think the governance aspect is what's caught everybody, Declan, offside on this one. Yes, the board haven't obeyed by the rules of the constitution of the business outcome that is there for everyone in many 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 years. It's been an issue. Uh, sometimes even the charitable organisations, and we saw one yesterday, uh, take take these things for granted, either they won't bother us. But they're there for a purpose to make sure the business is run properly. But Declan, and you're involved in sport and you've been involved in, in many sporting... But, I mean, it's the, we spoke about this earlier on, so we did with um, Barry Cohn. It's the basics that they didn't get right that a charity or a football club or otherwise would get right, day one. Yeah, in 99% of the cases, yes, but all organisations have this problem of not proper governance, and I know a number not of cases. Not all organisations? Huh? Not all organisations. No, 99% are right. Oh, you're sorry, yeah. Because uh, and that's where, where the situation is. But the biggest problem with RTE that I see is, and I feel sorry for 95% of the staff, because they're good. Mm. They're ordinary individuals like yourself and Galway Bay and all the stations around. They're on a reasonable salary. But the 5% that are there, both the board members, uh, the chief executive in the past, and uh, these 500,000 payment people, Mm. they're the cause of the problem. We have a brilliant, as Martina said, service from RT, sport, drama, all of these things, and it's the you you tick even the news on RT. They wouldn't be big big money, but yet they have to carry this story about their colleagues. But their colleagues have let them down. And I would just say that one thing the government should do now is going forward, anyone that's leaving or made redundant, that there is transparency and openness. Mm-hmm. In other words, there's no hiding. There's no such thing as confidentiality. 
from from what we're all gathering from the stories at the moment is the government are going to fund RTE and they're going to do something new with the licence. But it's, it will all be taxpayers' money. Yes, and therefore, there should be accountability and proper governance. And the saddest part of the whole lot of this, to me, Keith, is that the current chairperson resigned last night. Yeah. Shun New Riley. She was put in there to sort it. And because of this... Um, innuendo. Innuendo yeah, yeah. going on, she would have sorted it. She wasn't given the chance. And that's coming from us politicians who put her under that strain yeah. of that she didn't see it was worthwhile. And how are we going to attract someone new to that job I to straighten know. out RT? And I, that's a huge difficulty. I don't know, Martina, do you want to respond on that? Because, I mean, you saw... John, did you see that interview last night with Catherine Martin? I didn't happen to catch it, no. Yeah, it was a very strong interview and she was very strong. And I would know the minister quite well. Mm. She was very strong last night. Yeah, she is. I mean, she does her research well. She's always prepared when she, you know, it's never off the cuff or, or reactionary with, with Minister Catherine Martin, you know. But the, you know, would would more time, you know, that, would more time have sorted it a bit better? Maybe. I don't know. But certainly these revelations that, and, and, you know, the person that was in charge of the church person did know the, the money that was exchanged and, you know, kept it quiet for a while. And it's just not okay. Mm. It's just not. John, the, the coverage of this has been, I mean, we hear Maluli this morning, but the, yeah. the, the amount of, and like, we're a small organisation in, in comparison, mm. but like the comment lines that we're getting here is, is quite staggering. You can't read half them. It's gone off the charts, really, and I suppose a big word that's been mentioned in what discussion we're having right now this morning is accountability, or lack thereof. And yeah. this whole idea of, there's a perception out there in the public that a lot of the people the, in the board of directors and that in RT, the fingers in the pie, and as soon as something is uncovered or unravelled or some, someone is misrepresented or misled, that someone resigns or steps away and they get their package and that's it. And it's even a very bad taste in the taxpayer's mouth. But just Anshu and Yurahali, who has stepped down there overnight following that interview on primetime with uh, Minister Catherine Martin, she did have a very big task. I don't know who would have been able to steady the ship and be up to it. Like, if you look at all the controversies that have dominated her short-lived tenure, you have the likes of the Ryan Tuberty payment controversy, then the barter accounts, then Toy Show the musical, voluntary redundancies and the exit packages and payments, some of which that we have to see will they approve the uh, removal of anonymity to actually see what they were. I can tell you right now they won't. They won't, no. and that's the problem. So you're I, not going I, to get... the lucky position, I wouldn't either. We're hearing calls for accountability and transparency. You're just not going to get it. And the debate now, this morning, has moved on where you have opposition TD saying what Minister Martin did last night was effectively calling for uh, Shawnee Ratley's head in a plate over... That, she that, didn't. But she didn't, but they say effectively or a summary. She didn't. And then you have the, the party TDs coming to her defence saying she didn't. She just wanted to, to talk to them. But I suppose she wanted it, it was just... It was such bad semantics for Shuani Ratty that she had no choice but to her position. She would have been going through the ringer today if she had stayed on and was talking to the media, etc., etc. I think she's strong enough. Declan, you want to come yeah, in there quickly? When people are leaving jobs or are asked to leave and there's an agreement put in place with the confidentiality agreement, yesterday there was a particular one in the workplace employment where in the private sector a person was let go 
and there was a settlement yesterday of 454,000 for that person when they went to the workmen, workplace employment. Munitions Commission, uh, yeah. WRC, yeah. Yeah, case, the WRC, and that's, that's just pointing out that while there was settlements in RT, maybe it would have cost a lot more if they didn't do the confidentiality agreement. I'm not saying I'm in favour of that, but what I'm saying is, in RT at the time, it may have been the right decision. Martina, I, I think what we have to look at here, and I think Kevin Backhurst mentioned this in one of his interviews last night, needs must. He had a job to do. He had to move some people on because, yeah. and that was agreed that he had to move the person on, and the person agreed that had to be moved on. That person then has to put food on the table. So the confidentiality then kicks in at that stage. Yes. Confidentiality, you know, only in very limited circumstances do this, this type of, um, you know, confidentiality agreements come into place. Uh, generally, I mean, 99.9% of those who work in the public sector are, you know, are getting paid mostly by um, public money. Yeah. They have no access to any of that type of... Confidentiality? Absolutely not. Mm. The whole world and his mother can know what you had. Mm. I mean, I've often been on the carpet. I've had to stand, you know, and and explain my my actions and was it the right and evaluate did I or did I didn't I do it right? You know, when I worked in the HSE and you know, the, it was investigated. But if I had done it wrong, it doesn't mean that the person, you know, the person, the chairperson has to resign and then the issue goes away. You must work through the problems. Well, Resigning that's why, doesn't that's doesn't thought, fix the when, issues. When I saw the headline this morning, I thought it's a pity she resigned. Yeah. That she didn't stick with it. Work through. Because she seemed to be determined yes. and she made a mistake. She forgot something. Mm. It's not her first mistake though, Keith. Let me take you back to June of last year. Um, she had to apologise to Minister Martin over a failure to inform her she had asked former RTE Director General D. Forbes to resign. Miss Nirahlia had asked Miss Forbes to resign on the 16th of June, almost a week before the Orti payments controversy broke. So there have been ongoing issues over mm-hmm. the past year with uh, the outgoing uh, chair of, of the board there. So I know she's, mm-hmm. she's getting a glowing uh, from Kevin Backhurst, mm-hmm. etc., and, and different places, but it needs to be looked at in the light of day. You can make one mistake, two mistakes. It's a case of fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. So it hasn't been a perfect run for her either. It bears to be said. And not a perfect relationship with um, Minister Catherine Martin. Well, there or has I, to be uh, challenging between uh, them, you know, there have to be challenges at the highest and level the, And there. the department officials, I mean the minister is only one person but mm-hmm. there's a full there's a full tranche of uh, yeah. people underneath that and obviously perhaps they were just, uh, they've had enough as well. Yeah, And uh, you know at the meeting the other day when when the, uh, at the Earthworks meeting the other day and the amount of money that 454,000 whatever it was the whole room, were, you know Just gasped. Gasped gasped at the th- at the, at that type of you know mm. it's it's unacceptable behaviour nowadays to be splashing around that type of money. Declan, this would never uh, happen the, in, in a the, sports club. The inquiry the other day in I think it was the media section of the doll who yeah, yeah. media committee yeah yeah mm. there was a think a figure of two over two million <laughs> mentioned mm. uh, in settlements yeah and we know of the four fifty and we know of the two hundred but there's nearly one point five million we don't know about. Mm. And that's where the problem is. Mm. I know there has been agreements and all point. that, but at least the government, who are the who funded substantially, should be given a list of what the payments were. Mm. And and this hiding and hide and go seek, as we call it, as the young lads, this mm. is not working. No. The public no. are not happy. But going and and but what I'm said at the beginning, it's it's hitting 
the 95% who are genuine workers within RTE and that's not fair but so the board and and the CEO who is left now to handle all this should come forward and say that's the 2.6 million they are the amounts to pay out if you can't give the names you can't give the names but at least show what was paid out Mm -hmm. and that might bring this to a close but as I said earlier the only way we're going to get this is that the legislation is passed by the government on RT that in future no confidentiality not just even the exceptional no confidentiality agreements because it's the taxpayers money that's been wasted John John, coming back to you there I mean the the top 10 um, earners in RT are constantly being uh, published that has to put pressure on the uh, rest of the staff if they know that somebody's on 350,000 a year and they're only on um, 25,000 or 30,000 it does and as we've heard from Kieran Maloney and others that have since yeah. retired or moved away from RTE, etc. The problem in RTE, it's not new. It's a legacy issue. Mm. It's systemic. You need to clean the slate and start from afresh. And what I would like to see done, and I know a lot of the, the journalists in this country in different uh, unions as well would like to see it done as well, is you move to a model where RTE is on the same level as the other private bodies, the likes of your Virgin Medias, your TG Cahars, your News Talk in the radio field, and that they have to fend for themselves because we can't keep throwing taxpayers' money down a hole. And if they do want to do public service broadcasting, they do like the rest of us. They apply for it for grants from like the SNV grant that we get here in Goa yeah, FM for the likes of ours yeah. to protect mm-hmm. from Commission Mon. Let them do it that way and let the funds be withheld until they show the work they've done and they earn it. And I think and, and held accountable. And on the accountability as well, the people who have perpetual sick notes and can't appear before Oroctus committees. I'd, I'd love to know what's wrong there exactly, that they can't even do a Zoom call, etc., etc. Because if they want to be accountable, they have to state their claim and state their case, or even give a statement, for God's sake. I don't know how bad all of them are, and they're all sick that they can't even do that. I think the public are kind of fed up of it as well. But just on it, and I know we probably haven't time to delve into it as well, there's a lot of the opposition saying Minister Martin was wrong for what she did, and then there's government uh, TDs and others coming to her defence as well. But just one of the, the stars of the Public Accounts Committee in the last day, and he's also on the Oireachtas Media Committee, is Fine Gael TD Alan Dillon. Yeah. He described the latest developments as another self-inflicted blow by the broadcaster. But the questions are going to get more serious now, because he is asking... Was anyone else present when the RTE chair misled the minister this week? Was the director general, Kevin Backhurst, in the room? Yeah. So it's all, there's a lot of big questions left up in the air and they're going to need to answer them sooner rather than later because the longer this goes on, the worse it is for RTE. So was was the chairperson then hung out to dry by any other person? Exactly. Right, let's take a short commercial break. We're joined in the studio on Galway Thoughts indeed. Galway Thoughts with... um, Councillor indeed, Martino, Conor Councillor Declan McDonnell and uh, John Morey and my good self as well. Quick commercial break, we're back just after these comment lines are all open. Yeah, Goal with Thoughts, uh, here we're with uh, Councillor Martino, Conor Councillor Declan uh, McDonnell, John Morey and my good self and um, panel, we're, we're going to go to the Russia-Gaza side of things. Um, Declan, you and I are around a long time, you're longer than me around. We're in changing times, we're, we're in really different times now, aren't we? Well, You've covered two subjects there. They're two different subjects, but they're probably interrelated Mm. in the sense that the opposition leader, in my opinion, is has was killed. Was murdered. Was murdered and poisoned or whatever was done. But I think what's worse is that the family have requested the body to be released to have a proper ceremony and a burial. 
and they're being threatened that the, bo- that the body will only be released if it's a secret burial. Mm. What are they trying to hide? Like, you have the Ukraine situation with Russia, you now have this issue. And the only way that Russia, or an opposition person in, against Russia, against Putin, is they have to nearly live outside of the country yeah. to voice their opinion in a safe manner. And, like, what went on when people just were laying flowers is not acceptable in today's society. Well, sure, that, that, that is Russia, that's why... That that's, and then you go to the Gaza situation, where I think last night 100 people again were killed yeah, yeah. when the hospital... But when you take it that a hospital that was providing safe uh, safety for people who are ill, children, elderly, etc., and that they have to be moved now because the hospital has been bombed so much. Now, yes, maybe Hamas were hiding under it, but that doesn't give the right to any country to, to immobilise a hospital where 140 no, no. people have to be taken out. Yeah. Uh, now, there's almost 30,000 people dead in, the, in Gaza now. There's children left without parents that are without an uncle or an aunt. These are not acceptable. And the United States, as far as I'm concerned, have to take some responsibility mm. for all of this. Okay. When they've shut down... Yeah. the motion in the United Nations yeah. and said a temporary we don't want a temporary ceasefire we need a ceasefire we need an end to the war Martina what, what's your thoughts on that because I mean the, your, your background is, a, is in nursing yes. and you must feel for the um, nursing fraternity that have found themselves in this situation absolutely I mean no more than in COVID people medical people nursing people workers social workers etc they step forward in these incidents when mm-hmm. wars come on, when COVID comes on, they step forward, they don't step back. But now they've stepped forward to abject misery. Their work has not been respected in any way, shape or form. They, I mean, they're just even killing. There isn't even going to be enough to care for the people, even if they had a safe place to care for them. They've been killed left, right and centre, the medical people. You know, that's that's completely contrary to all the rules of war, if there is such a thing. But, there, you know, it's completely all wrong. That, and we've never had that type of war before and it's who in their right mind would think that that is acceptable I, I was saying to um, the listeners during the week that I can't watch the news anymore because no. when you see children going in yeah. now you as a nurse go back could you imagine doing an amputation without an anaesthetic no. for a child no <coughs> I, I mean the trauma the, the generational trauma they've already suffered I mean you know we have some empathy to their political situation here in Ireland we have some correlation to it, you know. It it is it has been colonised, as you'd say. There is another opinion, of course, on that. There's a difference of political opinion, but nobody can have a different political opinion on the medical situation when it comes to and children. the human situation. Absolutely. There's there's you see elderly women. They're all nearly dead by now. A few weeks ago, we were seeing them, you know, being transported on in the backs of trucks or cars or whatever, trying to go from one place to another. I would say the vast majority of those are dead by now. And now you have a situation where the young the young adults who are trying to care for, you know, the, the elderly and their children, they're, so many of them are dead now. You have children on their own arriving at the hospitals with injuries, phenomenal injuries, that will, generations they'll be and suffering. No medication. If ever, no medication, no light, no heat, no food, no water. I mean, you can, the conditions you're even seeing there now where they're, you know, spooning out maybe some sort of food that arrives, it's going, how it hasn't rampant disease yeah. I don't know John your take on that I suppose in, in relation to the, the situation in Russia 
the war with Ukraine has been going on the second anniversary now and yeah, week, we've yeah. seen the impact here in this country in terms of we, we've mm. taken in the Ukrainian refugees and they've integrated quite well actually in a lot as, of circumstances. As of other countries as well. Yes. As, as of other countries and they've integrated quite well as well yeah. into our communities and I suppose we're seeing the, the narrative now that they are a benefit to us in, in, in certain circumstances as in we, we do know a lot of our, our youth are immigrating. It's, it's good to have a workforce and an educated workforce, which is what the Ukrainian population is. A lot of them are very highly educated and have, have, have third-level degrees and masters, doctorates, etc. So there's been a lot of positives to them as well. They've integrated and a lot of their kids have, have, have propped up a lot of dwindling school numbers in rural Ireland as well. So th- there's that element as well. But just, it's two years now. Can you imagine if there was a war in Ireland and we were gone out of our own country for two years. I know you hear a lot of misinformation from people as well that, oh, there's no fighting in Ukraine and it's safe enough that they should go home. And you hear that kind of rhetoric. Here's something that's fresh off the press today coming out uh, from the Associated Press. Putin says 95% of Russia's nuclear forces have been modernised. This is the type of rhetoric coming out of the Kremlin now in Russia at the minute. So I think for people to say that it's all hunky-dory and that we need to protect these people, we have to understand that Ukraine is going to be one of these states, it's looking for EU membership and it's being treated uh, temporarily as an EU member state as well in many respects in terms of the visas they've been giving to work and, and to live in this country as well. So I just think people need to, to, to calm down. I understand people's frustrations in terms of our own problems here in this country yeah. and with housing shortages and problems in education, etc, etc. But I think it does need to be thought of uh, their situation. It needs to be looked at in an, an international context. It's very easy to cut us off and say, we're an island nation, we have no responsibility. We do have responsibility. We, do. we have responsibility from the international community and we have a responsibility to mind refugees who are genuinely f- fleeing a war against what many people have termed a tyrant in the form of Putin. Um, Martina, I don't know if you see during the week, but um, the wives of soldiers that they haven't seen in over a year are at the front line. Uh, and they took to the streets of um, Russia. Again, an unprecedented protest where they said they want their, their husbands brought home. Yes, I mean, they, if you go here from Ireland out, you know, on some of the peacekeeping missions, there's a, a length of time, we even see it in the own movies, you know, where you, you might get back and, and see your family for a while. Putin is using these people like they're animals, like they're, they're robots, you know. He's no respect for his own people. He has ideals that he wants and he will pursue them at any cost to mm-hmm. you know to the, his own people to the people in Ukraine and to opposition as we've seen I mean he has no respect for obviously doesn't run the country as a democracy but can't stand up to mm-hmm. Navalny you know to like Navalny and just and, he, and he, have, take, he couldn't he take, can't take criticism he couldn't take can't, it and he can't engage and, and, and answer when he just is an absolute despot who wants to run it solely himself it's all about his own ego Declan, you, you said that he was murdered, um, the, the leader of the opposition. Um, and the uh, Russian ambassador based in Dublin um, came out last night and said he was not murdered. So should, should, do you think that the Russian ambassador should be left in Ireland? This, the difficulty we have here is the same as the situation with Israel. If we don't have an ambassador to communicate with, mm. it is a difficulty. We, if we... Sh- get the two ambassadors to be removed. But if a man stands last night and said he was not murdered, he um, died of natural causes, they won't give back the body so they can't be an independent Well, autopsy. then he may have to be and the government may have to consider that. 
But the problem we have is that if we cut off the communication, it is crucial. What's more worrying, though, Keith, is this. The USA give money to Israel for their yeah. the campaign. The USA, in January, in my recollection, is they struggled to give money to Ukraine. Did, and my real question is this. Couldn't get it through the house. Is votes more important than lives? Yes. Mm. And you understand what I mean by that. Yeah. And that's what I think is but wrong. The Americans were playing a game in the house. I mean, mm. it, it wasn't even about giving the money to Ukraine. It was about other um, political. political issues within the country. Yeah. So, again, Ukraine was the, pro- that was the pawn in this. Mm. And, 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 and obviously, the allies were the United States and Europe. Yeah. But on this case, to me, the United States... Uh, even in the in the UN uh, resolution, blocked the resolution. That's wrong as well. Mm. But w- on the borders of Gaza, there was trucks lined up for the last three days with uh, water, food, medicines, diesel, everything that was needed. They weren't let in. Yeah. And, 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 and to me, some of them don't want to go because the, it's the, too dangerous. The, the strongest uh, country in the world is supposed to be the United States. They could have helped, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. Now, they're very good to Ireland, and Ireland and Spain are the two strongest countries that have been trying to force the EU. Some EU countries are afraid of Russia, etc., and they're not doing these things. But I think that Ireland and Spain have really pushed it the boat out, trying to get a resolution, and I think the other yeah. European countries should come on board as well. Jonathan? Just look at the whole Israel-Gaza situation for a moment, because... I hear what uh, Councillor McDonald says there in terms of, of the US and their, their international responsibility. I think we need to be very careful in an Irish context. And I, I think it goes without saying what Hamas did was wrong and the Israeli response, I also believe, is wrong as well. We need to look at constitutional uh, nationalism from an Irish word, like my heroes would be the likes of Charles Stuart Purnell, etc. You need to look at how you can get people to come together and do it democratically mm-hmm. and dialogue, open dialogue and speak. Well, we saw it, it was and done with the, the agreement in Northern Ireland. In Northern Ireland, the yeah. peace process. And we it, thought that, that would never happen. And it's been lauded. And the Americans had a big part to play in that yeah. as well. I think we need to be very careful here in Ireland. I know we have, we have obligations. We, we are, on one end we're not military lines but we're also not neutral in a lot of these political issues as well we need to be very careful that we don't bite off our hand to spite our face because I'll give one example of this as well we're currently looking to get a big European agency based here in Ireland and a lot of our moral posturing and a lot of what we're talking on these international um, situations whether it be Russia or whether it be the Israeli situation it could have a knock on effect on that where other countries the likes of France and Germany are keeping snum and they might be favoured over us because of our moral posturing and the pull Was that decided last night? I have not seen it uh, but it was, I thought it was due to maybe it's tonight it has to be done I haven't seen it yet but yeah. I'm just that, that has been mooted that our moral posturing on these situations could have a knock-on effect on whether okay. we get them 400 jobs or not. All right, final words to you, Martina, just coming back to you there. Can and I just Declan, comment yeah. on that one, Keith? Yeah, please do, yeah. I would rather see us doing a moral posturing is the, time, the term you're using there and 400 jobs for what's happening in Gaza, for what's happening in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. It's worth it, for sure. I would agree with you, but I'm just saying there will be knock-on effects. There will be knock-on effects, but... It, it, we can go to our graves knowing that we stood where, where we believe we should stand in these situations. Declan? Well, communication, and John is right in a sense, but communication and sitting down, 
there is hostages on both sides yeah. in the Gaza situation. If there was a ceasefire, some of these people would come out alive. Mm. And that's an important thing for their families on both sides. So that, but we, it's true. we never, the, Israel cannot just take over a country like Russia is trying to do in Ukraine. Mm. And Gaza, and Israel has been going into Gaza into Palestine and taken over parts of their lands, yeah, yeah. which is not correct. Land grab, yeah. And For I years. mean, the Northern Ireland police process is brilliant, and at least the assembly is back now, yeah. working. And the bit of it, but being honest with you, we have enough problems on our twenty-six. We cannot afford to take on another six at this moment in time. No. That's something for into the future. And just to add, Keith, as well, I, I mentioned that, and the reason I mentioned it as well is because the Tornister has defended the decision not to summon the Israeli ambassador to his department over the continued bombardment and killings in Gaza. So he is obviously aware of it. So I just wonder what uh, Councillor Martin O'Connor and Declan McDonald's uh, thoughts are on that. Martina, briefly, yeah. Yes, yeah, I think it should be called to, to the carpet, definitely. It's, what's continuing on in Gaza is the worst we have ever seen. Mm, Absolute worst. I, I would think that Michal Martin has performed exceptionally well. Yes. In, in all of this situation in in Europe, etc. And keeping the communication channel open is a crucial point. Yeah. But I would not uh, take I, what John is saying, we must protect these four other The lives of people that are being lost, innocent lives, it's more important okay. that they are... But one, can I make one comment, Keith, before you finish? Yeah. We have, on the side of the Ukrainians, which have been a help... We've also the those who are look, looking for protection. And I just believe that as they come into Dublin Airport or Shannon Airport, if they haven't the proper documents, they should be put on the plane, the next plane back. And that should be emphasised. We do have the guards at the doors looking to try to figure out on drugs, which is important as well. But it could be extended that if they have paperwork, they had to have paperwork getting on the flight. So if they haven't the paperwork getting off the flight, they should be turned back. Martina, briefly. I completely disagree. That's the whole point of international protection. If you're fleeing these zones and you're trying yeah. to come to a safe country, you may or may not. People have had to swim through water to get through to here. They're not just hopping on the, the nice flight and into Ireland for themselves. I'm it's only talking about those who have to have a passport to get on the flight and are getting rid of them on the flight. But a huge proportion of the international protection people are not sailing in nicely on a flight. No. All right, guys. Uh, thank you um, all for joining us uh, today. Councillor Martino O'Connor uh, of the Green Party, Councillor Declan McDonald, Independent. John Morley, what part are you? Independent. Independent. <laughs> uh, but thank you for joining us for Galway Thoughts. Quick commercial break. We look at sport uh, for the weekend next. Now, Ollie told us earlier on that uh, Sports Minister Thomas Byrne was in town. Uh, you met with him, uh, Oliver, this morning? I did. He was down in Pierce Stadium. I know he'd come from a meeting with Goa United before that this morning and spoke with Goa GA, who were represented by uh, Paul Bellew. You also had Elaine Goldrick from Ladies Football and Anne Kearney from Camogie. Mm. So he was met with a pretty serious three-pronged attack, mm. looking for money for lights for Pierce Stadium. And I think looking in general just to develop facilities for men and women jointly, and he was glad to hear that, especially when it came to discussion on the airport proposal. Now, I know there's a lot involved in that because you've got the city council and the county council and all the complications that go with that, but it's a vast area. There's great potential there that's been identified by quite a number of organisations, the GA no different. Let's hear what Thomas Byrne had to say. 
That would come under, I suppose, the large-scale sports infrastructure fund and applications for that will open soon enough. Now, the way that fund works, again, is that the local authority or the national body nationally, in this case, would be the GEA Ladies Football and Camogie, they would have to prioritise it uh, before uh, before we consider it. So, so I suspect there's a lot of work to do on that, but the bottom line is we want more people participating in sport. That means we need more facilities in places like Galway uh, so that everybody can participate. Uh, we will be encouraging associations to come together, uh, not just within the GA family, but if associations are coming together with other sports as well to get more facilities out for people, it definitely makes it more attractive from a, a grant's point of view. Um, but I suppose from what I'm hearing, is there's, there's work to be done with the local authority, but I would strongly encourage the local authority um, to... Uh, apply for some large-scale sports infrastructure funds and also to utilise the funding uh, that has already been made available under that fund. Very interesting on there, I have to say. But, um, so it's up to the local authorities, either Gold Coast Council. application for funding, but he did earlier on mention as well that you know this has to come from Croke Park as well, that they're happy to rubber stamp a joint approach for funding. So He's definitely opened the door, but like you know, there's plenty of reasons to find not to do something. This is one where you just need to kind of cut through the paperwork and so, the nonsense, and don't have this being held up because of somebody dragging their heels in city hall or in county hall, for that matter. So really, somebody has to take the the bat on on this in one month and get an application into that fund. Get it done because it's such a vast area. Look at clearly, it's you know not going to be an airport anytime soon. So you know ever. Um, for ever for a sporting amenity, I mean, if you look at what they have down in in Bacon, yeah. the Connacht GA Centre, and they're looking for a second dome down in Mayo. Mm. Like, why not build a dome out there for multi-purpose use? And he alluded to this as well, by the way, in the interview. Like, there's nothing wrong with soccer, rugby, and GA coming together. You know, they don't all have to be, you know, flying solo from the, from the one church. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and that would have even stronger implications in terms of getting national funding. And and it's big figures, big money. He also said, look, at the, the, he was impressed with Pierce Stadium and seeing it in the flesh and hearing from Camogie and Ladies Football and GA together about the benefit of lights to Pierce Stadium and and not just from a sporting contest, but socially as well for the whole city to be huge. So let's sure. hope that happens pretty quickly and there's a big announcement when sports capital funding is announced. Come here to Galway United are away to Dundalk tonight. They're in Oriel Park, another tough fixture coming on the back of St. Pat's so that's the nature of the Premier Division the big games are coming thick and fast so live coverage in Galway FM tonight from 7.45 um, and again um, looking at uh, soccer in general the Premier League yeah let's leaders. have a look at the draw Keith because Liverpool have been drawn away to Part- Sparta Prague in the last 16 of the Europa League uh, Brighton they're up against Roma West Ham will face Freiburg and Rangers have been paired with Benfica so you don't have to ask where Freiburg is when I tell you who, who uh, West Ham are playing. Yeah. And uh, for Liverpool, Sparta Prague, they'd be happy enough with that. I mean, for the Europa League, you would imagine Liverpool would be favourites for this competition. But for Brighton as well, that's a big test. Roma, home and away, really exciting. Yeah. Um, of course, no Mourinho, long gone. But those ties are the 7th and 14th of March. Aston Villa, they're in the hat right now for the Conference League. That, that draw is happening as we speak. Good stuff. Um, and when I have a quick look before I go to rugby and Gaelic games, and um, the hurlers are heading to Antrim. That's a long way up. Big trip for them on Sunday to Corrigan Park. And uh, yeah, that's at one o'clock as well. So it's an early start on Sunday. But uh, we'll have live coverage here on Galway BFM. The footballers are at home to Derry in Pierce Stadium. So we'll have team news from both camps tonight. Eight o'clock for the hurling team, ten o'clock for the football. So the hurlers are going far up this way, and Derry are coming far down this way. So it's a. Uh 
It's a busy weekend. They'll meet each other on the road, I'm sure, on so Saturday. <laughs> uh, but it's a huge weekend for quite a number of teams in Gaelic games, not just the hurlers and footballers. Uh, we know as well, of course, that the Galway under-16 ladies footballers, they play their Connacht Championship opener against Mayo tomorrow and Gary Moore at one o'clock. The senior Camogie team are heading down to the RAG to play Tipperary in the National League. St. Raphael's have got the All-Ireland Senior B College's Camogie final. That's at one o'clock in Abbey Leaks tomorrow. They're playing St. Mary's New Ross. Dunmore Community School, they're heading to Sligo to play Abbey Vocational from Donegal in the All-Ireland Senior B College's football semi-final. Big day out there for Dunmore. St. Cooan's Castle Blakeney likewise. They're heading to Ross Lane for Manor to play their All-Ireland Senior D semi-final. So a huge amount of action to look forward to tomorrow afternoon on Goa BFM. Make sure you keep it here. Absolutely. And uh, going back to that rugby? Under-20s are playing tonight with three Connacht lads involved with Ireland. They're going for an unprecedented hat-trick of Grand Slams, which would be some achievement. Richie Murphy's side are taking on Wales in Cork at 7.15. And closer to home, uh, Dunmore are playing University of Galway tonight in the Fair Green at half seven in the first of the Connacht Junior Cup quarterfinals. So we'll have updates on that game as well. The other three quarterfinals are all on Sunday afternoon. And the draw for the semis will be after the five o'clock news live here on Galway BFM. So it's getting really exciting in the Junior Cup. Quickly, just to mention in snooker, Mark Allen is through to the Players' Championship semifinals. He plays Ali Carter tonight. Last night, Mark Selby whitewashed Ronnie O'Sullivan 6 0. So Selby will sit back and watch wow. the last of the quarterfinals this afternoon between John Higgins and Zhang Anda to see who he plays in the last four. Pori Carrington won over after the first round of the Mexico Open. The South African Eric Van Royen leads on eight under. And it's been a good morning for Leona Maguire. She sought a five under par round of 67. So Leona now is seven under, three off the lead at the Honda LPGA Thailand event. When you think about it, soccer Dundalk, Hurling Antrim and Pierce um, Stadium, it's a, it's a diverse weekend. Dunmore going to Sligo. St. Coons heading up to Rossley. Rayfields heading down to Abbey Leaks. The Hurlers heading down to Rag. It's helicopter. Someone is cleaning up and I'd say it's <laughs> Cara Boyle. <laughs> right, thanks for joining us. Uh, uh, racing, just quick mention, okay. Dundalk as well for the, for, the, uh, for the horses. They go on the all-weather this evening. Uh, 25 to 4 is the first race off on the 8 race card. Super duper. Oliver, thank you for joining us and stay tuned for the the most comprehensive sports coverage uh, in the country, indeed, um, over the weekend with the team uh, from here. By the way, on Monday morning, Galway Greats, we're going to be joined by the wonderful Gary Hines is going to be joining us. And uh, again, she is a Galway Great. She's a wonderful Galway Great. And I'm looking forward to that and that with her as well. Uh, but that's uh, on Monday morning. And uh, we have other, but we'll also be going, by the way, to uh, another charity um, event indeed. Carmel Doyle will be joining us on Monday morning as well in the programme. We'll also be lucky indeed in speaking um, with Sinn Féin on Monday morning also. We'll be getting their thoughts. And whatever happens over the weekend, uh, the, the, that's, Sinn Féin is talking about scoliosis and trying to get all the operations done, but they're not in power yet even. How are they going to get that done? Uh, but we'll be asking indeed uh, Sinn Féin that on Monday morning. Have a good weekend, no matter what you're up to, by the way. <laughs> And don't forget, the best of uh, this program goes out tomorrow morning between 7 and 8 and on Sunday morning between 7 and 8 if you want to uh, tune into it and if you're up and about, you can do so. Thank you to everybody involved in today's program. Thank you to our Martino Connor and Declan McDonald and John Morley for Galway Thoughts. Thanks to John for producing yet again today. Thank you to Fiona, who's been on the desk uh, all week. We thank her, but from yours really, Keith Finnegan, when we talk to you on Monday morning, just after 9 o'clock news. Have yourselves a good and a very, very safe weekend, whatever you're up to. And just be careful with the hailstones when they do fall. Talk to you Monday. Bye-bye.